Hey friends, welcome back to the Friends of Cabrini podcast. We're now listening to a new episode with your host, Jaleesa. So before we get started, I want to let you guys know that today's conversation features my friend, Crystal Gamble. She's an Alabama native, super mom, homeschooler, and a wonderful wife. So for those of you all who are curious on how to teach math to your children in those early elementary primary ages, this conversation today is absolutely for you. We're going to be featuring some tips and bits, as well as resources that will be helpful for your children and a little bit of our experiences with our children in learning math. Without further ado, let's get to the episode. Hey friends, welcome back to the Friends of the Rainy podcast. This is your host, Jalisa, and you're tuned in for a new episode. So today we have a very special guest. She is a virtual friend of mine, awesome friend, uh, living in Alabama and a veteran homeschooler. Please help us to welcome Crystal Gamble. How are you? I am doing good. Thank you for this invitation. It's wonderful to be able to just talk and, you know, just put things out there that someone might need. Yeah. So, you know, I know that you guys have been homeschooling probably like forever, but our listeners, um, of course, will be new to you and in your family and what you guys have going on. So why don't you go ahead with sharing, you know, how you got started with homeschooling your son and What made you decide really to just, you know, go the homeschool route versus public education? Well, actually, the story is a little older than it seems. My son is seven now, and he's been pretty much homeschooled since the beginning. And by say the beginning, because he had a few months of pre-K before I officially took him out. Um, But my husband and I have two older sons that went the public school route in the exact same school district that I grew up in. And we had our ups and downs and there wasn't really an opportunity to homeschool with them because we were co-parenting. So when this new boy came around, he's he's not like his brothers. They have an 11 year age difference and he was a completely different child. I noticed at a very, very early age that he was doing accelerated things that I wasn't teaching him. And I immediately had concerns about what am I going to do with this kid by the time he reaches school age? So then comes school age. We get ready to test for pre-K because the area I live in is a very competitive, great school district. And pre-K is not guaranteed. You have to um, test into it as well as get chosen kind of lottery style. So we went in to do testing for pre-K and the test administrator was kind of taken aback because they were doing some standard bracken tests. It's almost like an A-frame test they do for younger children that aren't yet reading. Uh And he blew all the way through it. And she was like, I've never seen a kid do this, go through it. He was only um, three and a half at the time. She was like, I've never seen a kid do that before. And they immediately recommended him for further testing. We went on from there and he eventually ended up doing um, IQ testing and assessment. 
and his his IQ is kind of up there. I rarely put it out there, um, more so for a parent that doesn't understand IQ. Anything above the 130 range is considered gifted. So, with that said, you know we we didn't quite know what to do. This was a kid that we were about to put in the pre-K. He was testing profoundly gifted, and there weren't any services available for him. Went ahead, put him in pre-K. He ran into the normal difficulties that you can think of. Um, first week of school, they're starting a letter at a time. It's pre-K. This is normal. You expect them to do a letter a week. <laughs> Instead, um, my kid was in the corner reading the books off the shelves. Teachers are concerned. They're like, we don't know quite what to do with him. You know, but we do recognize that we can't do enough. You should look into gifted services. But in my area, there's no gifted services until third grade. So then, you know, we get into, should I homeschool? That, that's kind of the big thing. And, and that's kind of why I am now. That led us to homeschooling. That led me to uh, blogging online at Mama Sweet Baby on Instagram and some other uh, places. All platforms are at Mama Sweet Baby. And I try to give parents an idea of what it looks like to live with a gifted learner. But at the same time, he's, he's still just a kid. He's a seven-year-old. So. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's so, I feel like we, we kind of have like similar uh, experiences almost uh, with our sons. I think it's so interesting how you can like in the public schools, they come across gifted students and then it's kind of like, they don't know what to do. <laughs> Exactly. You know, they seem confused about what to do. And, and for my son, um, he had that the similar experience. And, you know, it's interesting that you brought up the testing. My son, um, he tested for here for kindergarten. And I was never actually given the results. I was never given the results. And wow. so, yeah. And so when um, I had tried to enroll him part time into one of the schools, um, you know, even in the classes there, the teacher was just like, yeah, your son should not be in my class. He should probably be in another grade level or another class. They didn't they really didn't know what to do. You know, the back and forth with about getting him tested again and, and doing different things. I was just like enough is enough we've already started homeschooling anyways yeah so let's just do this full time and 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 stretch it out and we ended up doing the same thing so yeah it's amazing when you see that because it's like okay so you know how to teach children that I guess you would term as being remedial learners but you don't know how to teach children that are developmentally or academically on par or exceeding yeah. and I find that to be so I, I don't know if it's more detrimental or not because it's like what are you then learning as a trained educator for the four years that you're in college what what is there in the in the curriculum or in the textbooks for you as an educator where you don't know how to accept and how to teach children that are kind of pretty much somewhat so considered to be diverse learners but they just have yeah. they like you said they have a higher iq and and they're more gifted in certain areas um than some of the other children maybe 
So I, I thought that was really interesting that he brought that up because I'm like, that reminds me of me and my son. <laughs> and I mean, I, I get it. I understand that the public school system, they can't meet every learner on their level. And, and there has to still be some level of equity there. But at the same time, I'm a mom. If you can't do it, then I need to see what I can do to kind of fix the situation. And that, that's why homeschooling became the better option for me. Did you ever think about, and I'm curious, because I, I used to like, like throw this idea out there a lot. Um, did you ever think about maybe encouraging one of the public schools or, or whoever the educator was that you were um, speaking to at the time about maybe setting up an, like an IEP plan, an individual education plan for your son? Hey friends, thanks for tuning in for today's episode. Remember to subscribe to the Friends of Cabrini podcast right here on Spotify and any of your other listening servers. Now back to the episode. I I thought about it and I did a lot of research. Um, Where I live, um, Alabama, IEPs are primarily for children that are having, um, you know, educational learning difficulties. There is no gifted IEP in Alabama. Some states there are, they're becoming fewer and far between, of course, because of the argument of equity. And I I almost feel as if I I love the school district that we live in. I do. If it came down to it and Cash decided tomorrow he wanted to go back to school, I would let him because I've I've got no, I've got complete confidence that they'll treat him fairly, etc., But at the exact same time, I know they can't meet his needs. And I don't think it's fair to him to, just like a child is having a learning difficulty, it's it's not fair that they can't get the education that they need because they're having to meet that middle ground, that status for that grade level that they're on. And then, of course, there's always the option of acceleration. Well, one thing that happens with gifted learners, I've got a seven-year-old. You normally have a kid that, you know, may think, um, work out problems, read on maybe an eighth, seventh, eighth grade level at this age. But at the exact same time, they're still seven. (laughs) They're going to have social emotional issues that, you know, I can't get my shoe tied or I don't want to eat what's on my lunch tray. They're going to have other things that come along and having a, a brown son you know, that can often be misconstrued as behavior issues. I know that he's just having a hard day or maybe he's hungry or he's seven. <laughs> and and I was seeing that in pre-K too, those few months. And he had an excellent set of teachers. You know, at that age, they've got teacher and they've also got aides. They were so very understanding. But I think they still, it's hard to separate the mind from the kid and yeah. no matter what, you know, the smallest thing you're, you're thinking, well, this kid knows how to multiply. Why is he having a meltdown? Because he didn't get the blue crayon. <laughs> it's because he's four, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yes, I absolutely agree. I, I, I know when I had mentioned it for my son, I mentioned it for the same purposes because I thought that maybe 
um, there could be something set up where they can teach up, you know, teach them up a grade or two and accelerate them. And same thing here in Illinois. They're just like, we don't do that. They're, the IEP plans are usually for kids with behavioral issues mm-hmm. or kids that have uh, medical issues or, yes. you know, academic issues. And I'm just like, there actually should be, you know, I started to think like there should actually be an IEP plan for all children because all of them really are diverse learners because they're learning completely different. Yeah. You know, some kids that are not maybe meeting uh, certain, certain uh, reading spectrums are absolutely excelling in math. And their yes. math was, you know, and so I just thought like that should be something that the public school system should consider. But as a result, you know, homeschooling is always the best option, it seems like. <laughs> well, if you want it, if you if you were trying to be specific to that child, I think it is. And I'm not saying it's the option for everyone. Um, it works for us. My husband and I saw that early on, you know, this was this was the one. Like I said, this and not that he was the one. It was just this is a kid that's been doing some really cool things at a very early age. And we kind of knew we were going to run into this problem. We felt it coming. We were kind of hoping he would assimilate well. (laughs) He didn't. From what I see you guys doing, what you post with him, he definitely definitely is very gifted. And he's doing a lot of tremendous things. And I've slowed him down. Um, I don't want him... To be in college at 10. Uh, I try to go deep as opposed to, um, you know, forward. If we're studying a subject, we, we try to get really, really deep into it. And that's, that's kind of the way I've approached his learning and it's working. So I'm not exceeding too far past his grade level, but everything we do, we, we just go in a little bit deeper and we do a lot of project-based learning and a lot of experiences, a lot of hands-on um, a lot of history to go with it, especially um, getting into African-American history. He's just getting more. That, that's the biggest thing. He's, he's still pretty much on grade level, but he's getting more. And I can do that because I'm his mom and I, I kind of know what he needs. I see him every day. I'm not his teacher and I'm not doing 30 kids at the same time. I can focus. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I started doing a lot of that with my son with uh, the unit studies and, and uh, project-based learning um, studies, I would say when he was about four. And I think uh, just from seeing how he would gravitate to certain things, that kind of helped me to, to navigate and push for that. But you also mentioned something else that I thought was really um, important too, which is the socialization aspect. Because a lot of people tend to think that with homeschool kids, they cannot socialize. But then in the case of, of uh, like both my son and your son, there's the idea that the socialization would be off because they are gifted. And if you accelerate them to a higher grade level where they're with children that are older, they may not be able to have similar conversations. And it's so funny that you mentioned that because I remember countless times where um, one of my family members would be saying to me, it's great that you're teaching him and he's learning and you're homeschooling him, but you don't want him to grow up too fast because then he's going to know things that other children don't know and they're not going to have conversations in common and things like that. And I would always feel like, well, if I pull him back, you know, if I pull my son back, then 
am I actually doing a disservice to him because I'm not, you know, um, I'm not, you know, helping him to navigate through his genius and, and I'm pulling him back only because I want him to be on par with other children as far as socialization is concerned or, or what. But then I started to see just observing my son in different settings with different random people, strangers, family members, you know, different ethnic groups of people. He handles himself very well when it comes to conversation, what he wants to talk about, how he answers questions, um, the things he asks, you know, the things that he suggests to other kids. I mean, like literally my son was just helping a kid at the library uh, create their own Roblox account and <laughs> all of this stuff. And me and the mom was just having a whole separate conversation and we came back and it's like our kids are gaming and you know, and, it, and it's amazing how I, I think like it's amazing how people tend to think that either if your kid if they see that your child is gifted then they don't really want to advance your child so much so too far because they don't want them to I guess be so far socially socially as far as socialization is concerned they don't want them to be so far disconnected it seems like from other children in that age group but then it's like, are you still doing a disservice to them by just not, you know, you're just not encouraging their genius. You're not encouraging them to explore and things of that nature. So I thought that was really interesting that you brought that up because that's something that we have definitely battled with, I feel like, since my son was about five. And now he's eight years old. And I just came to the conclusion of just like, I'm just going to let him do his thing. I'm not going to hold him back. You know, I think that if someone wants to be friends with my son, they will find a way. <laughs> they'll find a way and they'll find a way and, and they'll make their own connections. I don't think that I really want to control um, how he socializes and how he grows in that area. I think I do want to allow him, like you said, to ultimately still be a child, but he's able to navigate certain conversations very well, somewhat better than others, you know, even with some adults as well. So um, I thought that was very interesting, but you know, you guys are in Alabama and I'm curious on what are some of the educational laws there because there's so you know, from every region of the country. So what are some laws there that you guys have to either connect with or follow? So Alabama is the wild, wild west. And I love it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell anyone, this is a great state to homeschool in. If for no other reason, we have no reporting, there's no requirements. You can homeschool as a parent as simply um, considered a private school because we've got three options. You can do a church school or a cover school. You can be a private school, which a parent can consider themselves their own private school because I'm teaching my kids privately. Or they can also hire a tutor, which has to have certain credentials and uh, along those accreditations along that line. So in Alabama, a lot of parents just for fear uh, they may come from other states. They'll get a cover, but even the cover schools here don't have any requirements. They just say, you know, pay us for a cover for the year. And if you need anything, well, we got your back. We'll send you a report card if you need one, but you got to send us the grades. Uh, we'll send you a homeschool ID, that kind of thing. Uh, we occasionally do some meetups here and there just to say we, we did one. 
but most parents, I believe, still just decide to do the private school option. They just go ahead and say, well, I'm good. We're good. You withdraw them officially from school. That's the end of it. There's no one to report to, no reporting, no testing, nothing. That's (laughs) awesome. We like it. Like I said, we like it. Now, on the opposite end, if you have other people that you know within the community, you can easily see that, oh, you know, maybe they should do some type of of reporting here in Alabama, <laughs> but that's their business. <laughs> you know, we're really kind of like, you, you take care of your house, I take care of mine. Um, but yeah, we, we like our, our, our wild, wild west out here. We do. Did you, did you guys ever consider doing one of the cover schools initially at first, or did you just feel no. like no. it all Awesome. The laws are pretty straightforward. You can pretty much, I, there's no reason for me to pay a cover school for something I can do myself. I can make my own report card. I can, there's no one to report to. <laughs> so if I need to take attendance, which I don't, I wouldn't have anyone to send it to anyway. <laughs> so. Yeah, here in Illinois, they tend it tends to be pretty relaxed as well. And I'm really grateful for that. But I think one of my growing concerns, it's not a major concern right now, but I would say eventually it could be. Um, One of my growing concerns would probably be if there's going to be a change, you know, in some of those educational laws, because there's been this huge influx of parents in the last, what, two years, I want to say, that Mm -hmm. decided homeschool is the route and they're and they're stepping away from a uh, public school so who knows right <laughs> what's in store exactly. for us that we've been doing this for a while and who knows if they'll have us kind of like go backwards and you know you got to pull stuff from 2014 <laughs> that you did like what no we just so had that's this awesome. come up we, we just had to come up here in alabama and the thing is um the current homeschooling population here shot it down. <laughs> you know, they started to bring up ideas about, well, you could get some funding and maybe the money should follow the child. And yeah, they like it the way it is. They they completely crush the bill that they were proposing. I don't think anything's going to change anytime soon, but I also expect change. That's, that's one of those things. That one yeah. thing you can guarantee is change. So right now, uh, for my son, I keep a binder of stuff um, just to make sure I've got a little portfolio of his work. And I'm doing that primarily for myself and just in case something ever came up. Yeah. Um, I also, uh, we do standardized testing. Um, We use Hewitt Online's pass test. And we'll we'll do testing every so often. And mind you, he's not even at the age for testing. Um, But he's working at a level what he would have been testing were he in public school at that grade level. So I try to keep him on par. Um, I'm prepared if he ever decides he wants to go back. That I can go and confidently say, here's his work, put him back in. And he'll be fine. We won't have the argument of, but, 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 but the last time we saw him was pre-K. He should be in kindergarten. No, no. <laughs> So 
So, you know, I know most people that first usually get started um, with homeschooling, they're usually kind of like, what curriculum should we use and all that good stuff. And I know that we both have had experience at least using or testing curriculum. Yes. Um, I initially more so just rather just do my own thing and, and come up with everything for my son um, or just let him you know figure out what projects and things he wants to kind of discover on. But I know that you've used a lot of the curriculums. Um, and for listeners who who are interested, uh, maybe I guess they should probably even connect with the, the Melanated Gold Homeschool Review Squad, right? Because yes. an opportunity right there to test out curriculums. Uh, both of us were able to do that. So I definitely say connect there. Um, but, how, you know, what curriculums do you like as far as with, I want to say with math? I think math is so interesting. Uh, yes. And, and that's actually Cash's big thing. That's, that's his. Really? Every kid has kind of got the thing. And, and you know what? Here's the thing. We use the term gifted just because of the label that's out there. Um, right. We all know the basics. Every kid is gifted. There's always something that they're more talented in, in one area than another. It could be music, academics, sports. It could be a number of things. Right. Um, but you know, when you're talking about your own child, you kind of know what their thing is. And for Cash, his thing is math. It always has been since he was tiny, tiny, tiny. And he's always had a fascination with numbers. He, he would count up to crazy numbers and then ask me what the next one was. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in for today's episode. Remember to subscribe to the Friends of Cabrini podcast right here on Spotify and any of your other listening servers. Now back to the episode. I had never heard of Centillion until this child was born. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm a normal person. I, I've got a college degree, but I, you know, we think of numbers, we think of billions and trillions. And and he keeps going, you know, he's quadrillions. He's <laughs> keep going and going and going. <laughs> so that fascination with numbers um, naturally made him more, uh, more tuned to mathematics and number sense. So for him, it's all about math. He loves competitive math. He does very well. He's been number one in the state of Alabama for two years in a row in his age group uh, with the math kangaroo competition, which is crazy to me because I've peeked over his shoulder while he's doing the stuff that he does. And I, as an adult, you're kind of like, I'm not even trying to figure this out. And you walk away <laughs> and he he's hammering at it. But to support what he already does. I did a little bit of research and the way he thinks is more of a Singapore math mindset. So I was, I was literally just thinking that I was like, so do yep. this, I'm thinking like you guys sound like it sounds like it, you use Singapore or something. Like we that. do. And that's just the way he thinks. He sees numbers as in groups and it's, it's not linear. He, he breaks it down in his own head. He does a lot of mental math. And Singapore math is is aligned to that same mindset. And, and it's that new math that everyone's so scared of. And I've, yeah. had, to, I've had to teach myself. And I, I see now, I'm like, wow, if I had studied math the way Cash studies math, I would have liked math as a kid. 
Um, you know what? When I when I think when I think of that term new math, and after yeah. like seeing some of these things and experiencing this with my son, I'm just really looking at it like it's the same thing. It's just a different way. Yeah, you know, just a different it's, way. It's, same, it's just a different way. And now that I've I've had the opportunity to um, unschool and and tutor multiple kids, I'm usually always telling them, even the folks I had, the kids I had yesterday, I was just like, you know what? Doesn't really matter how you get the answer because there's multiple ways to get the answer. Your way is going to yes. be different from mine and from hers and so forth. And I think by just giving them that idea. I feel like it affirms them, you know what I mean? It lets them yes. know, like, I am still a genius and I can get this thing back. A lot of times, especially with young ladies, right? We feel yes. like we can understand math, but when you empower them, letting them know, there's multiple ways you can get it. Don't stick to just one rhythm of, <laughs> of or, or, or procedure of how you get it. Just, you know, focus on getting the right answer. <laughs> exactly. We don't do a like, lot of practice. Um, yeah. He, he's naturally, like I said, he, he's a natural math person. So I do limited amounts of math for him. I kind of let, again, we're child-led. We're unschoolers. I kind of let him do what he wants to do. We do Singapore math as our curriculum, but we don't do a thousand sheets of worksheets. I don't want him to get burnt out and bored. I don't require him to show his work, which is always kind of a... Um, a weird point of contention amongst parents and teachers. Instead, I tell him to teach it to me. His showing work is to tell me how we got his answer. Teach it to me. If you can teach it to me, I know you understand it. And it's even fun to hear how he may have come to the answer. Um, even if I didn't understand how he did it himself. But I love to hear him explain it to me. And I'm like, you know what? You don't have to write all this. Don't show your work. I don't care. If you understand it, I'm good with that. And when he gets older, I'm probably going to have to pass him on to more of a math tutor that also thinks like he does. We do Beast Academy to go along with our Singapore math. And we use Singapore math primary, by the way, because they've got different levels of Singapore math. They've got the new U.S. edition that came out uh, this past year. And yes. also Dimensions and Primary is kind of the mid-ground. He started with primary. He stayed with primary. He does it on his own. Um, we, I don't really do anything with him on that. Sometimes he'll ask me, show me the old way, just because he wants to know. <laughs> That's fun. They'd be like, show me the old-fashioned way you did it when you were a girl. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't do math with him. He, he does Beast Academy to supplement. But it also teaches, and it's more that Singapore math mindset as well. Um, there's an online version of it, and gifted homeschoolers swear by it. And I can't complain, he's doing fine. Um, but we also do the books to go along with Beast Academy. And all of the textbooks are graphic novels. So my son immediately loves it. It's, it's, it's his favorite thing in the world. He's got a book that's a graphic novel, and it's math. It's like the perfect storm for math and that's the first thing he wants to do in the morning um he would continue to do it all day if you let him you ha I have to pry him off and say okay let's do something else wow Ooh. so it's so that you just mentioned graphic novels and I was yes. just going to um, ask about like storytelling but before I, I get to that one 
I'm listening to how you you say how Cash is just like a mathematical genius, and I'm wondering, you know, for learners of math, is it a genetic thing, or can you actually learn math? Like, what do you what do you think about that? Is it something that's simply genetic, or is it truly possible to learn it even when you don't have that that you know thing that that Cash has? It's an anomaly to me. Um, his dad is, I mean, he's not a mathy person either. If he is, he's been hiding it from me. Um, I'm not a mathy <laughs> person, but just seeing how he thinks about math and, and does math and, and loves these numbers the way he does, I'm, I'm really getting a new appreciation. I'm starting to like it too. And I, I do, I really think had I had this open-mindedness to math when I was younger, I would be much better at it and I would love it a lot more. I'm, I'm, who knows? I could have even been in a different career field. The area that we live in is full of engineers, high in STEM careers. It's Alabama, but I, I live in the North Alabama area near Huntsville. We've got the Space and Rocket Center here, lots right. of government contractors, lots of military brats. I grew up around friends whose parents really were rocket scientists. So you've got this large hub of engineers in one little area. Um, I think it's actually one of the largest groups of engineers um, in the U.S. live right in Huntsville, Alabama. And the funny part about that is you start to develop that appreciation for STEM, even if you're not in a STEM career. So I love it. I can take him and we can go to see rockets, you know, being engines being built. We've got Hudson Alpha here and they do uh, uh, genetic testing and, and, and tracking and different things. And he's got so much STEM around him. I think he doesn't think he should like anything but STEM. <laughs> and that's kind of fun. I mean, that is a lot of fun. There's, there's engineers all around him and we know children are impressionable to the extent that you're going to do what you see. Yeah, I agree. My son is 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 kind of like that too. He's very much so interested um, in being an electrical and mechanical engineer. Mm-hmm. And so, speaking of of Huntsville, side note: if we we will probably be doing a a road trip there, so we'll be in your area later on this year. <laughs> I'll show you around. We love it here. Yeah, it's, it's it's not the it's not what you think of when people think Alabama and and banjos and you know people chasing you down the street <laughs> sundown town none of that stuff <laughs> now yeah. i can't i can't vouch for the rest of all little towns in alabama but at least where we live we, we love it <laughs> so yeah no so yeah justice is a um stem lover um he wants to be a mechanical and electrical engineer i think he is trying to figure out which one maybe both in that area <laughs> um he, he really wants to just do trains and trains and more trains. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, on our Christmas list this year. We're, we're looking at yeah. the Lego, the Lego powered up train passenger train set. Oh, you're going to love that one. We got that one. Yeah, you have that one. one. Yeah. Cat saw it at a Lego. We had a, we've got a Lego club in this area. 
Um, and, and it's an adult Lego club. So that kind of gives you an idea of what a geek city that we live in. But <laughs> so he saw the train going around one of the exhibits. He was like, why don't I have this? Yeah. <laughs> and I just kind of ignored him, walked away. I was like, I guess that's going on the Christmas list. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, Justin has that. Um, he, he loves that. So, I, you know, when it comes to math, I feel like kind of like how you feel like it's a little bit of both. Like, so I feel like for some kids, right, it might be genetics um, where they can just gravitate to it really easily. But then for some kids, I feel like it is possible to learn it if we empower them, right? Because yes, I feel like it's something to do with that self-talk where when you initially start at the basics of like addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, and if you feel that you cannot master those things, as you grow into more advanced math, you'll find difficulty with doing algebra or trig. Yes. Because your, your, your mind, your working memory is kind of stuck on the basics. Yes. And a lot of that is really based off of what they may tell themselves. And I find that not only with children, but then even when we grow into being adults, it's kind of some of the same things. We're stuck on the basics, even though we're doing more advanced things. So I feel like, you know, it actually can be taught, but I think it should be approached in the sense of how you approach a new language. Yes. The way that you approach Spanish, Mandarin, German, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Kids should always know that it's a language that's international, right? Everyone is using it and the rules that's governed by it. And then, you know, you mentioned about graphic novels and I think that's so important to have that storytelling and that history about math and where it comes from yes. is too, because a lot of times I've found with some of my student, my tutoring students, um, they say, well, I'm not going to use this when I grow up anyway. So it, it doesn't matter, <laughs> you know, but they don't actually know the history and the origin of where this math comes from. How did this calculation come to be? How did this formula come to be? Who came up with this formula? Um, how how do we process things mathematically? What are the, the histories and the origins that come from um, Af- different African countries and, and things of that nature? And I think if we allow that to be a part of math, the storytelling, adding in really amazing stories, books, graphic novels, all that thing, all those things. I feel like children will love it more than what we have seen in past generations. So I thought that that was really interesting that you brought that up because justice is kind of the same way. There should be something (laughs) that has storytelling in it to connect with math, but then I feel like he also needs it to connect with science as well because he's, it's still about that how to build and put things together yeah. for him. So that that's so awesome that you mentioned that. Do you find that, um, I feel like this is probably not even a question for you because it seems like your son is just a math wizard. So he doesn't, do you find that he has points of where you he might feel stressed or does he just easily get to it and do it? Yes. Now there is still stress there. And I I've start I've started to realize it's my fault. Um of all subjects, 
and I was I, I was I'm a little bit like Cash. I was real studious in school. I really enjoyed learning and I excel personally. Just I, I've always was a, you know, kind of that kid that you never had any problems with me academically. But you always had that one struggle bus subject. And for me, it was mathematics. So I guess I, my problem is I try not to put my own anxiety, my own math anxiety on my kid. So I'm, I'm trying to retrain myself. I'm, I'm trying not to impart upon him in any way that what he's doing is hard. Because to me, it was when I was younger and we naturally think, Oh my God, it's hard, but it's not hard for everyone. So he, he sees me sometimes like when he's doing his competition stuff, I try to get away. He, he doesn't like to see me, you know, wondering if he can do something. And that's one of the reasons he does math by himself. I don't want my math anxiety to rub off on him because gifted kids have really bad perfectionist tendencies. If they don't get it immediately, or if they get it wrong, that frustrates them to no end. And you may even have it to the extent if they're not getting it, that there's like, you know what, I give up. And I don't want him to give up on something he loves. I don't want him to feel like it's stressful. I don't want him to reject it simply because everyone else does. So yeah, if anything, the stress is the stress that's around him, surrounding mathematics, not the stress coming from him. And he's just not old enough to be confident that I'm good. I got this. Yeah, I think he could easily be influenced to say, well, it's hard and I don't like it either if if it's allowed. See, I like that because I feel like that, again, that's that self-talk that you have and you're turning that what would we what would be considered negative. You're turning that into a really empowering statement, right? Where he can realize how he can overcome that. But then I also like how you mentioned that you realized that it was your own anxiety. Yes. That probably had. And you realize how that may trigger him or, you know, do something um, in some ways as well. So that sounds like that is a de-stress method. It seems like that you guys have. Is there any other methods that you might use? Um, We do a lot of fun in regards to math. Um, We love bottle learning. Free program. It is an awesome, awesome gamified math program. The public schools are using it. Homeschoolers can use it. It's awesome. I pump them up as often as I can. They pay me nothing to do that. Um, (laughs) But they do a great job gamifying mathematics. And it it is a full video game. They've got battle sections in there like you would think of like Pokemon type battles they've got um they've got little pieces in the in the game itself where you as the character when you get x amount of problems correct it allows you like an extra game level it's so much fun (laughs) and and Cash can get on there and play it just like kids go play Roblox on Minecraft and keeping that fun in the math using a lot of hands-on stuff, a lot of manipulatives, um, showing him how mathematics works in the real world. Those are the things that motivates him to continue to love it. 
I don't like that. Whatever I do, I don't want him to not love something I know he loves. And I try to keep the fun in it. A lot of fun. <laughs> I agree. My son and I are big fans of game schooling now. Um, we didn't use it initially when we first got started with this this unschooling space that we're in. But over the last year, we've started to do a lot more with game schooling mm-hmm. and he started to like it a lot. And I think it's it's a really good with, as you said, it's keeping your child calm and helping him to work through the problems as quickly or as, as however he would like to ultimately, right? Um, but it's also unfreezing for those children that may have difficulty. I feel like yes. games and manipulatives will also help them to kind of unfreeze when they feel like they're stuck because their working memory is just going to think back to when they use those same games or they use those, or they play those same games or use those same manipulatives and they can figure out how to solve those problems. And I've noticed that and observed that with some other little ones that I've been working with um, using things like counting chips and, and simple yes. like toys or little, um, you know, foods and, they, and things of that nature. And they're like, oh, yeah, OK, so I can multiply this or if I use dominoes and turn it a certain way. Yes, that looks like it's going to be six or that looks like it's going to be 12, you know. Um, so it, it's amazing how a lot of things actually can be used right to help our children to de-stress yes. but we don't know <laughs> a lot of parents seem like it seems like they don't know what to do or, or how to figure that part out so Passion. we're doing fractions right now and we're we're a couple great levels ahead um of what he'd be doing for his age but the fun part about doing fractions is i didn't care for him when i was younger I didn't want him to feel the same way or, again, feel they were difficult or hard. So we we use fractions in cooking. We've just been making recipes. I'll give him one measuring cup and it'll be like maybe a half cup of something. And, you know, he's got to figure out how to cook that whole recipe using that one cup. He thinks that's fun. He loves to cook with me. And in real life, as an adult, that's typical. I will pull out one measuring cup because I don't want to wash anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And I know if I've got a one cup measurement and it's calling for, you know, three quarter cup, I can kind of estimate, you know, estimate where three quarter cup is on that one cup, you know, but that's just experience. So even teaching him fractions the same way, he's got a hands-on way of of, of using it it's visual to him it's practical because you know afterwards we got a, a batch of cookies and I didn't have to sit there and pound a worksheet of fractions with conversions in front of him yeah can we just talk about how our kitchen is easily our classroom and it's yeah. so much can be learned I mean you have STEM you have math you have literacy there, there's oh my gosh there's so much there. my is my whole science lab <laughs> it really is and i feel like if, if for parents that are first timers and that are trying to just start out and figure out where to start at the kitchen 
has to possibly be the best place. Yes. You, you can do everything. That's so cool that you, you guys are cooking and doing the fractions. I love that. So how does he, how does your son process information? How do you think he processes information as a, a math wizard? I want to say he's a math wizard. <laughs> I say that too. And that, you know, some ways you're like parents that brag or whatever. I'm like, no, no, this is what it is. It's it's weird to watch. Um, (laughs) When he was younger, he would memorize everything. And I really thought for a long time there, he had a photographic memory. Then he got older and I realized he was counting everything. Mm. So it's, it's a weird thought to say, well, he's counting. So you think of kids with their hands up in the air and they're counting on their fingers. He's doing the counting in his head. So the problem ran in and I actually ran into my first math problem and solved it um, this, this year. When he was younger, he would memorize a few things here and there. He loves squares. He thinks squares are fun. He can tell you pretty much the square root of whatever. And he plays with cube (laughs) roots, and that's fun to him, too. But those are fun things to memorize. Just like uh, pi. He's memorized a whole bunch of digits of pi. And that's just a little fun brain game. Think of Simon Says. He's just something fun to memorize. But it doesn't do much for you when you actually need to solve mathematical problems. So this year I introduced him to multiplication, like for real, for real. He had been doing it. He had memorized some things, but he hadn't actually, you know, it wasn't his full thing. It wasn't him work. I'm working on multiplication now. That wasn't it. And I realized that he was only counting multiplication as opposed to memorizing math facts because he didn't memorize the math facts for addition subtraction. And once again, he hadn't memorized the math tracks, math facts for multiplication division. So it was too fun to sit there and say, okay, what's two times three? And he's counting two, four, six. He skipped counting. He's, he's still counting though. But he was slow, especially when you got to bigger numbers. You know, you go, you know, two times three is quick and easy. Eight times seven, on the other hand, you're counting by eights seven times or seven, eight times, it would frustrate him. It would take him so long to get to whatever number he's getting to. So we actually got a review for a game um, that's online based. It's called Table Fables. They're UK company. They do mnemonics when it comes to memorizing math facts. I bring this all full circle because keep in mind, I, I told you the very beginning, we have two boys. They're 18 now. Um, that came 11 years before Cash did. We sat for hours at our kitchen table just doing math facts and multiplication drills and division drills. And I mean, that was after school, after public school, because the teacher every week required a time math, a time multiplication test. Drove us to drink. <laughs> we were so happy when those two boys, they're twins, so they're the same age. We were so happy when they finally processed those math facts for multiplication. It was unbelievable. And I was not looking forward to doing that again with cash. So with him being a mathy kid, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to skip, I'm gonna skip all this. Yay. But then I noticed that he was counting his multiplication as opposed to just knowing it. And I knew that when he got into bigger levels of math, having to 
that's that slowdown would have frustrated him and I knew for once he needed to actually go ahead and do it the old-fashioned way of memorizing math facts so we wow. got this review for this company called Table Fables that does mnemonics and these little fun videos to go along with those math facts and he played it and they guarantee 17 days they're gonna know these math facts and I'm like I gotta see this I remember doing math facts with my big boys for weeks <laughs> and months and doing them in the car and doing them at the table. There's no way in the world. He did it for 17 days straight. He didn't complain about it. And when that 17 days was up, that kid knew all of his multiplication tables and the corresponding division to go with it. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> We've used our table tables and I, I love them too. They're really amazing too. You guys are doing some phenomenal things over there. Cash is awesome. I just want to say that. <laughs> if anyone um, is is definitely looking for some inspiration, I highly def definitely recommend them to check out your Instagram page because there's so much there um, where you, you guys are just doing so much. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's just so much. But so I was going to say... Um, do you, I feel like, does he use a calculator or do you take it away? Or is it, because I know you said it's mental math. So yeah. he probably doesn't even use a calculator, right? No, completely up to him. He has a yeah. calculator. He uses it sometimes, sometimes he doesn't. I really don't interfere much in his math and his math because whatever he's doing, he's doing fine. Every so often, like I said, he'll ask me to show him the old way that I did it when I was a kid. And that's it. <laughs> that is it i'm leaving him alone <laughs> yes we're, we're ahead this we did one year grade skip this is supposed to be a second grade year coming up and it was getting really redundant so i went ahead and officially homeschool grade skipped him to third grade but i'm yeah. he's, he's already done with multiplication division um he's in multi-digit multiplication division um we're actually out of third grade math te technically so I'm just going to let him keep going whatever direction he wants to go in. He's got virtual options with Beast Academy. We've got the physical Singapore books where he just flies through. I'm going to leave him alone until I see some reason to intervene. And then I'm probably going to get him some, some professional help. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not going to tackle this one. I'm like, nah, I'll find you a resource. And I'm good at finding resources. I, I can't do you. I can't, I don't create my own. Very seldom. I'll pull a unit study together with some books and whatnot, but there's too many cool creators out here making really good stuff for me to make it up from scratch. <laughs> nope. I'm going to use something. Oh, uh, see, I'm a, I'm a person that I guess I'm a, I guess I would be one of those creators because I like to make it up from scratch, even though it does take, it definitely takes some hours but I, I don't know. I think just it's it's like a joy. It's like a silent joy. You just get from making it and knowing that someone else is using your your material and it's working and it's you know people can understand it. The children can understand it. So uh, yeah, you should try it. Nope, nope. I enjoy nope. seeing what other people come up with. I enjoy using someone else's stuff. That is cool. Yeah. Like, oh, this is neat. <laughs> it sounds good. Yeah. That's why I've had a lot of people so much. I've had a lot of people like 
tell me like oh, I'm gonna steal your idea I was like okay go ahead yeah <laughs> it's fun but no like seriously it's I will say it's it can be time consuming you know um similar to like how a a trained educator has to spend time with lesson planning yeah. it can it can be time consuming but it is worth it the silent joy I, I guess I just like knowing that multiple children can use the curriculum or uh, whatever I put together or she's or whatever it is and it works out so I so you should try it I would recommend it but you guys are already doing some amazing things anyways regardless so that that's so awesome I'm so happy to hear that um so he's third grade set now yeah so happy to hear he's in third grade man my son is like I don't I don't even know because I stopped I feel like at some point I was just like I wanted to do the great thing and then I was just like you know what there is no point of doing a great thing because I had him doing like um, I don't want to say I had him doing but he was exploring like fifth and sixth grade content Mm -hmm. I would say when he was five but I didn't it was so crazy because I didn't know that the topics that we were covering in unit studies were actually meant to be for fifth and sixth grade. So now as I'm looking at like these different state standards and whatnot, I'm like, wow, so this is something that the third graders are learning now, but my son did this in kindergarten. I was like, so is my son actually, you know, even in a certain grade level at this point, um, I would say that we're, he's currently exploring probably like that, fifth sixth maybe seventh or eighth grade mark that middle school stuff yep now um but i i just gave up on the grade level thing i just gave up i just had to get cash one just so that when he's at a playground with other kids and they ask him what grade he's in so he'd have something to say yeah (laughs) so like just tell him third grade so he's fine yeah he's fine with that He's the same age now as a few of his friends. Well, not same age, same grade as a few of his friends. So he doesn't feel like the little kid anymore. And even though his, the parents know that he's working on work past what they're doing, but you know, we're good. They're great. Sounds fine. That works. We were, we were doing that too a little bit. And then what I ended up finding, um, was the confusion necessary. The confusion didn't necessarily come from the children. I saw that my son was still like uh, accepted and had friends and things like that, and in his in his peer group, the confusion more so comes from the adults, the parents, yeah. right? Yeah. Or the those those if you encounter a public school educator, uh, the confusion comes from them because yeah. it's kind of like how does your son do that and how do you know this and and what assessments and this and that and there there's so many i feel like the mind is their minds are so focused on the structure and all of these different like assessments and criteria and things of that nature instead of it simply just me being, being allowing your child to explore and enjoy learning whatever mm-hmm. it is that they want to learn that that's really ultimately what it, it's about where it's not necessarily about for, at least for us, it's not necessarily about like um, educating my son to the point where he has to attend Harvard. That's not the goal. Correct. You know, that, that's not our goal at all. My The goal is simply, are you going to be self-sufficient when you become an adult? Will you be able to be a problem solver? 
will you be able to just take care of things and, and navigate through the world as a decent citizen and you be happy with who yes. you are? You know, that's that's pretty much what it is for me. Like, yes, I do want my son to have financial wealth and all those things, but we are having those conversations now, you know? My son has already started uh, with having his own business and all of these things. And most of those conversations about financial literacy, people tend not to have with their children until their children yeah. are possibly in college or, you know, even sometimes even later than that. And I'm just like, if you if we focus so much on the idea of being that they have to get good grades to go to a good college, to get a good job, to make good money, we're taking away simply the joy of them wanting to learn. And when, that, mindset, that mindset is antiquated. It, it really yeah. is. We see that now. Who who are our true entrepreneurs and, and billionaires or whatever else? They're innovating. They're not yeah. getting it from an educational institution. And yeah, so- the problems we're going to run into in the future our kids are going to have to know how to innovate as well. They're going to have to figure and solve real, real world problems. So Absolutely. this, this mindset, this, this standard system that we have right now is, is not doing it for us. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I think, um, I remember for, for years as a child, my grandmother would say that, uh, engineers are going to be of the future. And I'm starting to see, you know, it's in the in the past since 10 years almost now since she's passed, I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, that's right. Because a lot of things that are happening, engineers are are doing it and they're building and they're, they're growing. So I think there is something to what you're saying as well. I think children will have to navigate now in this space of how to be creators and, and problem solvers and things of that nature. Um, but it's, it's just unfortunate that some adults don't quite get that. They can't quite accept the concept or the, the idea of that, at least. So we'll just leave that for that. But, you know, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't use grades for that that very reason. I just decided, uh, I feel like it was within the last couple of months, I would say, just to let go of the grade thing altogether, just because... Again, as we as we said earlier, some kids have an IQ in different things. Your son is math, my son might be STEM, the next kid might be reading, and they're all geniuses. Mm-hmm. And I and I try to encourage my son in letting him know that all people ultimately are geniuses. It's simply just about in that moment, are you operating in your genius or are you choosing to do something else? Yes. <laughs> Very so, much. Yeah, so I, I like to, you know, have that idea there and, and leave that for him. But I'm so happy to hear everything you guys are doing. Um, you and Cash and your, your husband and your, your sons are doing. So that's so awesome. What new things are you looking forward to for this new year? Have you guys started your new school year yet? Or are you getting we ready haven't, to? We haven't finished summer yet. <laughs> And I I figure whenever we finish up summer and we do STEM all summer long, um, when we finish summer, we're going to go into some regular curriculum stuff. Um, We're still child led. He chose everything that we're studying. Uh, We're continuing with Singapore math and Beast Academy. Uh, We're adding in Latin. 
uh, with Royal Fireworks Press. We have Grammar Galaxy. We're going to go ahead and do some more of our MCT. That's Michael Clay Thomas with Royal Fireworks. Island level. Um, I love that. He's, he continues his Spanish. Uh, we never we never stop. Um, that's that We use Ready for Spanish for Spanish. So it's more digital now. He's exceeded my Spanish, so I have to kind of let it go. Uh, have, you, <laughs> have, you, have you guys used, uh, what is it, du- is it Duolingo? Am I saying that right? It's, like, it's not as practical for a child. Um, I, I had a whole little rant recently about someone when it comes to mathematics and problem solving and word problems. And I said, okay. no kid's going to understand, you know, at the end of the workday, John went to the to the log house to put in X amount of hours for this, this and that. You know, it's not on their level. So Duolingo is cute, but it's a lot of random phrases put together randomly. Um, if, you, yeah. if you're actually going to use the Spanish and have it be conversational, you need resources that are going to use practical conversational Spanish. So we've, we've got some good resources there. Um, at least one day of our homeschool, we try to do at least all Spanish that day. And that's reading, that's grammar, that's math, everything. Um, and we use it in our home every day. Um, he's just exceeded me. <laughs> I just don't, I'm, I'm just past it. And he'll ask me questions about things. And I'm like, I just don't know. Let me call somebody or look it up. And Google Translate doesn't necessarily give you the answer you need. Yes. Um, you, you, need a, you need a speaker. You need an actual speaker to, to work some things out. He'll see kids in the playground that are Spanish speaking and he'll immediately join and play with them and and speak Spanish with them, which I love. Uh, We have a global mindset to our homeschool. So we're not homeschooling to U.S. standards. We're homeschooling to global standards. I want him to be a global citizen and recognize that, yeah, we live in Alabama and the United States, but we live on the planet Earth. So you, you need to get with these other kids. You need to get on their level. Um, what else are we using? So Spanish, grammar. Uh, we're using Bookshark for Intro to American History. I put out a, a new review for them. It is awesome. It is excellent. They use a lot of literature-based uh, variety of sources. And I like that we're teaching history from varied points of view, not just the curriculum writer or the textbook writer's point of view. Um, cause we do a lot of reading. So anything literature based for me is, is awesome. And for science, I, I've got so much stuff that we were using for the summer. Mm-hmm. We're just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep pulling things out of my collection since you're saying, <laughs> you know, unit studies that you do yourself. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to keep pulling things out of my collection as we need it and work on science he's he's big into his uh robotics his lego boost his lego spike prime and all this other stuff he's been doing classes for coding in python so i'm gonna let him keep doing that it's i just support i spend money i support whatever he does he wants to learn (laughs) and i sit back and you know it's almost like show and tell just tell me what you did today (laughs) yes that is awesome and that's that's really the ultimate goal I feel like when it comes to your role as the parent the parent educator right is just be there to support and sit back and enjoy it it's amazing when they can lead their own adventures 
It is. So. And they enjoy it a lot more when they have a say so in yeah. what they're learning and their education. And I, I enjoy watching him enjoy learning. So. Yeah, my son, we, uh, over the summer, my son read on um, Sam Walton uh-huh. and Tesla. And so I was like, I told him, I said, okay, so we've, we've read the books. Um, what do you want to do? He's like, I want to do a project on Walmart. I was like, really? A project on Walmart? What is this going to be about? So literally right now, I still have no idea. I'm just waiting to see what it's going to be. But I suppose that I'm going to be fascinated by it. He's, he's, I know that he's, he said something about building like a timeline. And I guess like he's going to do some digging and research about like the different uh, vendors or products, you know, the brands and whatnot that were added into Walmart or something. I, I don't know, but it's something about a timeline. And I'm not quite sure what he's going to do with Tesla, but that's exciting as well because, you know, that's STEM and all that mm-hmm. good stuff. So I feel like that might have, he might have something to do with electricity, which I initially tried to do like, so I initially, I don't know if you see like a couple of years ago, I tried to do an electricity unit with him and it was okay, but I didn't feel like we went more in depth. So I'm actually probably probably a little bit more excited for this Tesla one because I feel like now on his own, he's going to explore how to do electricity and how to make that stuff come alive and all that stuff. So I think there's a project that he looked at with lemons yeah, uh, and something like that. So I think he, he wants to do that. But yeah, no, I, I literally like I literally have no idea this time <laughs> like about anything. I haven't posted on the blog, um, on uh, Instagram or anything, a lot of the stuff we've done this summer because we've been so busy. And I'm trying to get some stuff up now, but we did a really deep dive into green energy. And Mm. built a hydroelectric dam and built our own hydroelectric dam (laughs) and got into wind power. And he loves it. He's, He's very deeply concerned about our environment. And he's got the whole thing down. You're like, you know, fossil fuels will be gone in like 50 years. And so going <laughs> going deeply into green energy with him this summer was a lot of fun. A ton of fun. Solar and nuclear energy, all of this. And he, he's got a bone to pick with nuclear energy. And <laughs> it, But it's cool to watch a seven-year-old learn more about something that you didn't hear about till college, really. So... Yeah. Yeah, that is so awesome. That is so, so I'm going to get so that posted. I'm going to get all that posted. I will. I, I've got it. I've got pictures. I've got experiments. I just don't have the time to put it on the blog. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see. I put, I used to like put a lot of our stuff, our unit studies and things up. And then I just decided to kind of take a break from it. So I don't know what I'm going to do next. But um, we'll figure out something. In the meantime... I'm literally out of the loop on my son's learning. And I think I kind of like it. Like, it feels weird. At first, it definitely felt weird this summer, not knowing everything that he was doing. But now I'm just kind of like, 
I like it because now I can have that time to do the things that I really want to do for myself or that yes. I missed on. And he gets to explore, you know, um, my son, as far as like with socialization, going back to that, he's started basketball and he gets coaches and all that stuff. And I was even nervous about that journey, but I'm just like, I really have like a little person that has his own life. Yeah. And it's amazing. <laughs> as long as he knows that mommy still wants to be number one in his world, <laughs> that's fine. Yes. But that's so cool. So I usually like to end the podcast with a very fun question. Okay. And so this very last one relates to if you are either a 90s, 80s, or 70s culture fan. So which one are you? I am an 80s culture fan. I'm born awesome. in I'm born in the 70s. The 90s okay. were cool. The 90s were fine. But <laughs> you have a tendency to to remember most of the things that you did as a family. And my mother was real big on her cassette tapes of different things and playing the music real loud around the house and I she did the blackberry lipstick and the feathered hair. <laughs> yeah, so now, I remember those feather hairstyles. Oh, I yeah. do. <laughs> so now if anything even pops up for a half a second on the radio or in television and it reminds me immediately of the 80s, I'm just like, that's my jam. That that's my jam right there. <laughs> wow. So I was I was actually born in 1990, I'm 32. But I remember those things that my mom had those things. And I literally have like two full tub skin of uh, my mom's like old cassette tapes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I have all of that stuff. Cassette tapes and uh, my mom had magazines I remember she collected and there's a bunch of like CDs and oh yeah, all that music. Oh man. Cool. So 80s. 80s, 80s. it is. 80s baby, pretty much. <laughs> awesome 80s. So if you could um, thinking about the 80s culture then what part of the 80s culture, it could be television or music, as we just said, or anything else, uh, what part of the 80s culture would you say is a reflection or a representation of your current uh, unschool, homeschooling journey? I think it's the freedom. We, they were always very free as well as innovative and you know kind of something new something new here and there you know from the clothes to the music it was a transition there that went from kind of that funk of the 70s to you hit the 80s and everybody was kind of trying to find something new and different so I think with my homeschool same thing I'm I'm constantly innovating I'm trying to change it um but it needs to be your own personality you can't be anyone else's homeschool you got to be your own yeah, I like that. For us, I think, and this would actually, I feel like Boy Meets Worlds is like half 90s, maybe 2000. Um, the show, the television show, Boy Meets mm -hmm. World, I feel like that's kind of a little bit like what we're doing. Um, Hey friends, thanks for tuning in for today's episode. Remember to subscribe to the Friends of Cabrini podcast right here on Spotify and any of your other listening servers. Now back to the episode.
I feel like I'm like the teacher who's trying to organize and get these children to be you know, all they can be and be their best selves as I'm venturing out with tutoring and unschooling other children aside from my son I'm beginning to see all these different personalities you know so I can pinpoint like which which one of the character personalities in the show that's like my son and, and all of these other little children I have so um, I think for us it's boy meets world <laughs> I like it and I'm and I'm the teacher and I feel like my son would be I don't, I don't I feel like my son was I guess he would be Sean I don't know I guess he would be the Sean character because he wants to be so independent from me now and it's almost like instead of me having an eight-year-old I have a teenager yeah I really feel that I feel my son is like possibly 15 like in his mind he thinks he's 15 and he thinks that he can just do his own thing so yeah we're there and the other children are somewhat the same (laughs) they're there too even though they're all they know like they know they're eight and nine years old but in their minds I guess they just think they're teenagers already yeah yeah we're there they're growing up faster Well, it was so fun chatting with you. Did you want to uh, share any of your social media handles, maybe for where families can connect with you and follow Definitely your journey? Feel free to follow. My biggest one, I think I spend the most time on is Instagram. And on Instagram, I'm at Mama Sweet Baby. Um, just one S M A M A S W E E T B A B Y. But it's the same thing on Facebook. It's at Mama Sweet Baby. My blog is WordPress, MamaSweetBaby.com. Um, TikTok, that's probably the only one that's a little different. And it's Mama Sweet Baby One, the number one. So, but now you can find me there. <laughs> I have not gotten into TikTok. Is it like fun for you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I I TikTok is a place you can get lost. It's purgatory. I go on there to post one thing and then you spend two hours watching dance videos. No. Okay. Don't, I don't not recommend it. No? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I went on for a vendor because they wanted me to post something on TikTok. And ever since then I'm like, I'm stuck. I'm lost. And I've had uh, I've had video a video go viral on TikTok from this past summer of Cash going to turning his summer reading list at um, Barnes and Noble. Now That's we get, amazing. We get I feel that way about Tasty. Yeah, we get recognized around town now. That's weird to me. So, really? <laughs> I'm a, wow. do not recommend TikTok. I, we can't go on Barnes and Noble now because they see us and they're like, it's the boy from the video. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that's yeah see that's another reason why I was like I was gonna pull back on videos for us and my son because I was like ooh I don't want to run into something like that that's amazing but no I had the same I feel like I have a similar experience with Facebook as you were saying with TikTok um I initially got on there because one of my one of the parents in my unschool space was like oh you should promote and do things on Facebook and I'm like okay and I did it one time and now I feel like I'm hooked and I want to get off but you can't can't. (laughs) you're stuck forever stuck forever yes and it's not like we've got time to do this we have kids to at least 
monitor their education. <laughs> right, there ain't your whole lash of dinner and just everything. It's yeah. it's so much. It's so much. Social media is getting way out of hand. <laughs> yes, definitely. But it was so fun to catch up with you and chat with you about how you guys learn math and socialization and all these amazing things that Cash is doing. Listeners, feel free to reach out to Miss Gamble and please, please follow her on Instagram at Mama Sweet Baby and check out all the amazing things that they're doing this year because I know that she has some cool stuff coming up later on this year as well. So, as always, remember to subscribe to the Friends of Rainy podcast on Spotify and any of your other listening servers. Until next time. Hey, friends. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know I sure did. It was an awesome conversation. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to send them to us via email at info at friendsofcabrini.com, or you can send them right here to the podcast right here on Spotify. As always, remember to like, share, and subscribe, and connect with us on social media on Facebook or Instagram. Until next time.